Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Reading Lens with Nick Lindsay. Hey, Small Group Network, welcome back to another episode of Reading Lens. We're so glad you chose the time to hang out with us. Here's how Reading Lens works. Each month, I have with us a guest who is also a Small Group's Point person, share with you insights from books we are reading and what our takeaways were and how we plan to incorporate them into our lives, leadership, or our small groups. I'm excited to introduce you to a guest. And by the end of this podcast, I know that you're going to be a big fan of hers as well. Welcome to the show, Amber Walker. Hi, everyone. I am really looking forward to our conversation today. So some of my excitement is personal because I'm just thrilled to have another Yinzer on the podcast. Uh, For those who might not know the term Yinzer, it's just another name for a person who's from Pittsburgh. And Amber is currently the director of engagement at the Bible Chapel, where she has worked for two and a half years. Amber, I know your story. Why don't you walk us through how you arrived at this role? Yeah, I'd love to. So my heart has always had a burden for two main things. One, connecting the disconnected, kind of going after that person on the sidelines, the one that's not involved, and also being in community. Um, I think this is how we're wired and mm-hmm. how you know scripture calls us to community, right? So um, two special burdens of mine. So with these burdens, this has often led me to volunteering in my churches and connections ministry and small groups ministry. So I've done that just naturally as a volunteer and being a part of the serving aspect of our church. But about four years ago, I was living in New York City, as you know, yes. at the time. Specifically um, Hoboken. Specifically living in Hoboken. <laughs> yes. Um, working in New York City. <laughs> you know, the extension, the sixth borough of yeah. New York. But moved from Pittsburgh to go live there in 2015, was there until 2019, you know, was rising up in my career, doing great things, feeling excited about that, but was feeling a little bit of sense of unfulfillment in that role. And so I started thinking about and just praying about, Lord, what's next for me? And really just looking at like, God, how have you wired Mm -hmm. me truly? And how could I be operating out of my truest gifting? Journaled a prayer. So I, I couldn't deny that I prayed it. Very specific. Ask the Lord, God, show me how you wired me. And would you please open up a door that would give me an opportunity to operate out of that gifting and bring the glory back to you? It was less than a week later that I got a text from somebody on staff at the Bible Chapel, the church um, that I had kind of grown up in my faith in in Pittsburgh, um, that said, hey, Amber, we have a role for you. It's literally your gifting on a piece of paper. So get ready to move back to Pittsburgh. Couldn't be more (laughs) clear, right? So thank you for that um, big sign, Lord. So I just kept walking towards that. Came back, came the director of connections at the Bible Chapel, really was asking, you know, why did they bring me back to, for this role? Um, our church had done a, a congregational wide survey, and an echo that we were hearing out of that survey was really hard to get connected here, right? So I really just that phrase was yeah. really just, I was mulling around with that, bouncing around in my head. What does that mean when somebody says it's hard to get connected here, right? Um, and so I translate that as it's really hard to find my people here. I don't have my people here. I don't have my community. I don't feel part of this body. And in my reflection on on my time in church, right, when I felt most connected was when I was in community. And when I was in community, it was when I was a part of a small group, right? So I saw that as an opportunity area for us as a church. We had small groups at our church, but they were one of many things that we did. So I raised this to our leadership team. You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways through His Holy Spirit. It was already on their radar and their hearts were leaning into 
how do we become a church of small groups, not just a church with small groups? And so they invited me into the opportunity to be a part of building that um, for the Bible Chapel. And so that brings me to my current role in um, building up this ministry and leading this ministry with a number of other leaders in our church. It really is a, a total team effort, but really exciting. In year one, yeah. we were able to launch about 120 groups with 1,200 members across campuses, which is like the Lord just totally led the work of the team. So awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so Amber and I knew each other from when she was here at Hoboken Grace and, and, and Hoboken and when she took this role, you reached out to me at some point in that. I can't remember when, um, but we've sort of kept in touch since then. And I, one of my favorite things about Amber is she's always sharing her wins with me. And I just like, I'm just like cheering for her on the sidelines. And, and when I got that one for a hundred, I was, I swear I like audibly was like, yes, I, I know yeah. even at our own church, like that there's, I swear there's like, make a good podcast someday, but like breaking through that hundred barrier is really challenging. So for you to get there, I was mm-hmm. so excited for you. I love that. Yeah. And it, like when I say it was a total team effort, like people on the Bible Chapel staff, but also people like yeah. you, people I had reached out to that were in my network. I love that about yep. the church, right? We're a body of believers, many locations, local churches, but the way that I was able to lean on people like you and other yeah. people um, in small group networks, right, was able to really build that. And again, the Lord yeah. just blessed it. Yeah. I so- saw it's interesting. I didn't intend to talk about this, but I think one of the things, if you're a small group point person, I'd, I'd highly recommend if you're in like first couple years, so maybe one through three, like reach out to as many people as you want. And, and, you know, the worst you're going to hear is like, I don't have the time, but it's amazing how many of the people who also do this role are willing to, to share what they've learned. And then what's those who are here for more than three years, like make yourself available for those conversations. So this is one of the things I was trying to Amber when I was reaching out, you know, I could get a little bit of the like, I'm not sure I have anything to share. And I was like, no, not true. Like you were totally putting things to work <laughs> and, and um, coming up with new ideas and even working with a sort of a multi-generational church that you have. That is another challenge within itself that, that I'm proud that you've been, been tackling as well. But yeah, I think the secret of, of the longevity in this role is then giving back away and, and sharing your time and what you've learned and stuff like that. And it's, it's really fueled me in like year 10 on. So I can tell you that. Much. Yeah. For sure. And every new person that you talk to, you know, they might be willing to offer up another person you could connect with. So don't be afraid of asking, yeah. you know, as you set up those coffee chats with people, hey, who's one other person maybe within your yeah. network that you would recommend I meet with? People are are surprisingly willing to um, support. And yeah, really good um, reminder. Yeah, cool. And I, I was... One of the other phrases I learned from uh, Eddie Mosley long ago, one of the great ways to open the door to those conversations too, is just say, hey, I'd love to hear what you're learning. And it's been a really good opportunity. It also works with small group leaders and small group members. Um, when you use that same phrase, you ever want to set up coffee with them or something like, hey, let's get together. I'd really love to hear what you're learning. Like People just love to share that stuff of, of, of what's working in their life or, or their ministry. So don't be afraid. For sure. We both have this love for Pittsburgh. I'm curious, since returning home, what have you loved about Pittsburgh? <laughs> Uh, well, outside of the fact that I was born and raised here, right? So my family's here. Um, my sister actually just got married and just had a baby. Yeah. So I have a new niece in Pittsburgh. So love that. Um, family's here. But also, I just love the small town mm-hmm. feel of Pittsburgh. But it has that city life too, right? Granted, in comparison to New York, it's, it's a smaller <laughs> city. 
Um, it's a little bit more manageable though, yeah. but I love that you kind of get the best of both yeah. worlds in the small town feel, but also that like city vibe and just the architecture and the bridges and the cultural district. Like you have yeah. kind of all the things you would want in one place. Yeah. So love that about Pittsburgh. Also love the food. I mean, there's all kinds of different um, cuisines. Pittsburgh's actually popping up um, as a new kind of foodie type of town, Beautiful. which is cool. I've seen a lot of new restaurants that have developed here since I lived here prior. So See, when I go back home, I need to encourage my parents to take me beyond Chili's. Yeah, oh, my goodness. You got to get out of Chili's in those chains, man. <laughs> There are so many cool, like new mom and pop yeah. restaurants. You got to check out Lawrenceville. Um, the Strip District has some good ones too. Yeah. So, All yeah, right. much, this is making me too hungry. And we're recording that. this over lunch, so it's, it's probably making that even cool. Hey, so <laughs> we're here to talk about a book. Amber, why don't you tell them about today's book? Yeah, so I'm super excited about yes. this book. Love it. The book is Atomic Habits by James Clear. And uh, for me, Nick, I don't know how you stumbled upon this, but a friend recommended this book as one of her top five leadership books. Um, and I'm so glad that she did. Uh, soon after I uh, heard about it from her, I downloaded on Audible. And you know, you really like an audiobook when you stop every couple of minutes to jot <laughs> yeah, down a note. I don't know right? how you pull so that I was off, like, cleaning, yeah, cleaning, doing laundry, like multitasking. But like every couple of yeah. minutes, I was stopping, write something down that I was getting out of this book. So I eventually had to just you know, stop everything I was doing, sit down, listen, and take my notes. Um, so I knew that this was a good read for yeah. me. Uh, for me, I, I had originally, I was a fan of the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast, and he had James Clear okay. on yep. before this book even blew up. Like this book, I, I don't even know what the sales are on this, but it is been out for like five or six years i just saw it at, at target and like I, I was like man for a book to still be at target after like six years means like it's really making an impact um so yeah so that that was like my inter introduction to it but like i had read this four or five years ago and knew i always wanted to do this episode and um i'm really glad you picked out this one because it's a fantastic one and i thought you know hey let's do this in january because you know probably what's happening is is people had hopes and dreams and goals and they get to the end of it and they're like, it's already the last week of January and we've given up on those things already, yeah. right? So, hey, this is a second chance. Right, right. You know, this is what we're all about here in the church, giving second chances out there. So, Preach. yeah. The other thing I love about this book is that if you ever wanted to start the habit of reading, I think this is like an excellent one to start with because not only is it already about like creating good habits and stopping bad habits, what's really great about this book is it's also like, I feel like it's designed to be consumable as well. So like every chapter is only 10 minutes, which for a guy that reads a lot, like I love when it's just like quick chapters because you can just like knock them out. So he kind of really helps you out, like get that that snowball going um, with it. But you are right. This is a book that you will write so many notes and you'll wear out highlighters using the book. Super practical. Yeah. So Atomic Habits, it, obviously that sounds mega, you know, and, and everything, but how does the author define atomic habits and what are they and what are they not? Yeah. So broken down, he says atomic means it has a couple of different meanings. So number one, it's an extremely small amount of a thing. Number two, it's the fundamental unit of a larger system. And number three, it's the source of immense energy. So that's how he defines atomic. And then the word habit is a routine or practice performed regularly an automated response to a specific situation. So really, in breaking down the definition of atomic habits, right, we can glean the central theme of the book. If you make small, easy changes, stacking 1% improvements on top of each other, then you're able to achieve remarkable results in the long run. Yeah, I, I really have related to that, uh, especially... You know, this might surprise a bunch of 
listeners that have been listening to this podcast. I grew up with a reading disability. And so to like eventually someday have a, a podcast that's all on reading is pretty crazy. But I think it was when I got out of college, I like was able to start this reading habit. And now that I've been doing it for like 14 years, like it is those really tiny things over time. Because my staff will ask me all the time, like, how do you how do you knock out so many books? And it's just like, I don't know, you just, just create a consistent habit. So like I read maybe like 10, 20 minutes a day it doesn't need to be huge. And what's crazy is like over time, I've learned like I read so much. I read so fast now. An easy example for me of, of habits that are working. There's not many that I would say that aren't where that uh, I could probably give you a lot of bad habits that I have. But anyways, so. <laughs> he talked about yeah. that too for anybody who's interested. Yes. Oh, that was the other beautiful <laughs> thing about this book. Habit. Not only does he tell you how to start good ones, he really helps you in breaking the other ones, which is, is uh, really great. So, so yeah, so I alluded to this a little bit earlier in the podcast, but you know, he really tries to set out the difference between a habit and a goal. Could you walk us through what's the difference between a habit and a goal? Yeah. So I actually, I love this question because I think it reveals a fundamental flaw to the way that we all, or maybe myself, but I think we all um, approach achieving results, right? So we set goal. Um, so a goal, he defines as a one-time accomplishment. When you accomplish the goal, it's done, right? Whereas a habit is something that's practiced regularly. It's not a one-time thing. So in my own life and reflection of this dynamic, right? I've accomplished a lot of great goals. Like I've run in half marathons that required extensive daily training for like months on end to only slip back into bad habits of skipping daily exercise, yeah. right? Because once the race is over, the goal has been accomplished, right? So had I set that habit of daily exercise, right? I might have continued with that versus accomplishing that goal and then losing that that good habit that I needed to accomplish that goal, yeah. right? So, and I love how he said, success is the product of daily habit, not once in a lifetime transformations. So I think that just kind of flipped on its head how I thought about creating the type of life I want, yeah. being the type of person that I want to be, right? Thinking more long-term habits versus short-term goals. Yeah. The thing I wrote down, it was too, was it, he says, uh, goals are the results you want to achieve and systems are about the processes mm -hmm. that lead to those results. So you may have heard this quote before, and I think it's him and it comes from this book, but it's, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. And I love mm -hmm. the illustration he gives with that too, because he talks about how two football teams are, or sorry, he talks about like in the NFL, how 32 football teams are all trying to win the Super Bowl. So they all have the same goal of winning the Super Bowl, but at the end of the day, only one wins it. And it's usually the one who's got the best system that ends up winning it. I think he also gives the other illustration that everyone who's in the marathon is trying to win the marathon kind of thing. It, to just add yeah. to that, I mean, one thing, I didn't write this down, but just that comes to mind as we were setting up, as we were setting up the small group ministry this past year, um, we really did try to think through what is every single thing that we have to do to build this ministry and how are we going to do it? Yeah. So as we thought about leader recruiting, as we thought about leader onboarding and training, right? We built out the process. We built workflows to make sure that we were kind of ticking and tasking all of these things along the way. So I can truly say that building, thinking through what we need and then building the process end to end and then just executing was what helped us to yeah. be successful in getting the ministry kind of up and running, getting that foundation and the legs underneath of it. Yeah. yeah the other thing I was thinking about too, when you were talking about your answer to this too. It's interesting. I think one of the other things where this is really going to come in with small groups and churches is, you know, we really will set out often to make goals and we'll neglect the systems that go 
and that are a part of it. And some of that even comes down to metrics and what we are measuring. And sometimes we mm-hmm. can start measuring the wrong things. And it's interesting how you were talking about like the success of the, the product of the daily habit and how if we can, if we're able to measure those kind of daily habits, and I was listening to a recent conversation that was a really good one with uh, Rick Warren and Carrie Newhoff. Um, and one of the things he was talking mm-hmm. about was, you know, it's, yeah, I love the phrase he used. It was like, it's beyond the nickels and noses. In other words, like it's not just about like finance and, and the attendance that comes in because that just like a church can be alive, but it's, it can be unhealthy. And I know that Steve Gladen talks about For this sure. a lot as well, where when it comes to their groups, they're, they're trying to measure beyond just like how many people are attending, but what are the habits that these groups have established? What are the baptisms that are coming out of it? What are the ways in which they've mm-hmm. been inviting others to be a part of their groups? What are the ways in which they have a thing of how many people are doing the daily devotionals and, and other different ways that kind of go with their five purposes? So I, I love how that is a thing we'll probably get into a little bit later of what it is that creates good habits. So I mentioned earlier about this book just being really easy to read. One of the things I left out was that he has a really clear outline that makes it easy to follow as we're going along. And what he does is he follows this outline. Um, James identified how to build habits in four simple laws. And that's what we're going to dive into today. So our conversation from here on out are going to be about these four different laws. So why don't we cover these four laws? So the four simple laws are make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, make it satisfying. And you can use this outline for the habit you want to create. But for today, we're going to put this in the lens of small groups. I'm sure we're going to give you different ways of like becoming healthy that that kind of tracked with us. But for your purpose, since this is a small group podcast, we're going to talk about this in the context of small groups. So let's start with make it obvious. What do we mean when we want to make a habit obvious? Yeah. So he talks about in the book, you want to set a specific, get really specific around the time and the place that you're trying to incorporate this new habit. So one example was he says, after I sit down to dinner, I will say one thing that I'm grateful for that happened today, Mm. right? So that's a very specific time, place, and new habit that you want to implement. And this is one of my favorite parts of the book. One of the things that I immediately started implementing in my life, but is this um, concept called habit stacking. Yes. Um, so yeah, tying new habits to old good mm-hmm. habits that you already have established, right? And so um, I, I think I shared about this earlier, but fun fact, <laughs> uh, this is how I developed the habit of making my bed every oh, day, day for adulting. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, every morning, like clockwork, go to the kitchen, start the Keurig, brew my coffee. There's like a solid minute where you're waiting for your water to warm up and to get your, you know, magical bean water. Uh, and so instead of just staring off into the abyss of my living room, um, I started using that one minute to go in and make my bed. And seriously, could you not sparingly have missed doing this ever since learning about this habit stacking formula? Um, and I'm sure there are much more ways that I can put it to better use and, and maybe have done so, but um, love that, love this concept. Yeah. That lays out for us. Yeah, he talks about it in the book and he gives resources to it. I think it's on atomichabits.com. But one of the things he recommends too is like list out the things that you do at the start of the day or the end of the day and put a plus or minus next to the different ones. And I thought that was a really good way too of just looking through and and identifying what are the things that you want to kind of remove or what are the things where you can actually attach one of these habits to as well. Like you said, like making the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about with small groups. So how do we make small groups obvious? I have a quick one. You want me to go first? Yeah, so go for it. One of the things I love to do when it comes to making um, small groups obvious is I love to make things as consistent as possible. And so 
with our mm-hmm. leader trainings that we do. We're a rare bird. We do leader trainings once a month. And what I do is it's always the last Sunday of every month at 2 p.m. And I try my best mm-hmm. to stick to that schedule as much as possible because I want every single leader mm-hmm. to be able to look at a calendar and know like, oh, I can, I can write in that I'm going to have training on this day or I know I need to block out this day. So they can look at a calendar and just know instantly. I also have a... Um, a network call that I do, and it's always the third Thursday at 3 p.m. So 333 is one of those kind of things. So I love those like little things yeah. that you look at a calendar and it makes it obvious. So that's one way I how I use that obvious uh, when it comes to training. Yeah, no, that's good. I think consistency and I think another thing is clarity mm-hmm. and over communicating, communicating for clarity. So we all know the saying, right? The squeaky wheel gets the grease. So I know that's usually used in like a negative connotation, (laughs) but um, genuinely like keeping top of mind, right? Small groups and different things going on um, for your leaders, but also your members. I I heard from somebody like the next, um, the new thing of marketing is going to be the calendar, like taking over somebody's calendar. Um, And and not to, not to say that, you know, that's what we're, we're trying to take over people's lives, but really keeping top of mind for your leaders and for um, your group members, if you are a leader, kind of the things that you have coming up. Like if you just have a simple like meeting invite reminder so that people don't forget, you text your group the day before there, you know, show excitement for your group. um, So they don't forget, especially when you're starting with a new group and trying to create that habit, helping them make it obvious in ways that you're reinforcing and communicating and reminding um, starting a text chain or a group me chain, you know, with your small group members, these are ways to help just encourage attendance as well as, you know, when people don't show up or stuff happening, show that you see those yeah. people and reach out to them. They're not just a number, right? We're here to be a community. And so express to them that them not coming, whether it's a leader yeah. um, event or the leader things that you're planning, or it's your actual group that you see that they're missing from that and, and they matter and you want them there. Yeah. That's really cool. All right, let's move on to the next one, which is make it attractive. So same question. What do we mean when we want to make a habit? Yeah. So habits become attractive, according to Clear, um, when we associate them with positive feelings. So the more attractive an opportunity is, the more likely we'll do it. Yeah, I thought this one was really good, too. He talked about how behaviors are attractive when they help us fit in. We imitate the habits of three groups in particular, the close, the many, and the community. and Man, if you want to talk about small groups, I think the close in the community is one of those that are really important. So obviously, as a church, as you're trying to do spiritual formation, small groups are going to have to play a big part of that because this is where those habits are going to are going to be able to start. So how do we go about making groups attractive? Yeah, so I think we have some opportunity here to talk a little bit more practically about how to make your group environment a little bit more attractive, just appealing to the senses through various ways. Um, But where I want to start before we maybe get into some of those things is really how do we set small groups apart from just social clubs Mm. or, um, you know, networks that, you know, are a little bit more kind of of the world, right? Like what's set um, being a part of a church small group apart? And I really believe that's going to be, you know, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, um, living out the one another passages, love one another, care for one another, carry one another's burdens right? That's different than the world that says it's all about me and it's about, you know, my time and my goals and my priorities, right? And really having your groups be Christ-centered and Christ-led, that's something that's going to look different. That's going to be attractive to the people in your church, the people not in your church. I mean, when I was in New York, I remember I had 
my um, one year luncheon with my boss. And she asked me, she said, you know, what are you up to this weekend? And I said, oh, you know, I'm doing this with this group on this night. And then on Saturday morning, I'm going for, you know, breakfast at this place. And then Sunday I have church and brunch. And then I have small group and then I have this. She's like, holy crap. (laughs) Um, Sorry, I don't figure it out. She was like, oh. She's like, oh my goodness, you know, Amber, you're in New York. Like you've only been here for a year. How do you have all of these friends? And it's the body of Christ, right? That's what we can hang our hat on. We have brothers and sisters all over the world. No matter what city we find ourselves in, we have people who are a part of the body, right? And that was such a testimony to somebody who is not a believer, who's not a part of the church that was attractive to her, right? So just really cool that that's, you know, what we what we have as a church uh, family. But so I would say just like starting big picture, we got to start with the gospel. We got to start with talking about being yeah. gospel-centered, Christ-led, Holy Spirit-led in our groups um, to make them attractive. Yeah, I think that's, that's really good. I, I remember actually personally, my like first year of leading a small group, not leading small groups, leading a small group. Um, we were meeting on Monday nights and I had started in April and I started with kind of like a book study kind of thing and things went great. And as we went into the fall, we ended up, we had like 12 guys in our group and we just fell into this bad habit of watching Monday night football every Monday night. And I took a group sure. of 12 all the way down to four. And it was the greatest thing that I needed to learn though. Cause it's like, don't be ashamed yeah. to have Jesus be the thing that's attractive about your group, because that's why they, mm-hmm. it's, it's such a, important part of why they want to be there and you shouldn't shy away from it. So I'm thankful that you you shared that as a uh, a way to make a habit attractive um, with that. So. so one of the things that's really cool about um, this book is that he talks about pretty much we have these four laws, but the opposite is true for all of them too. So if we want to make something a bad habit go away, we want to make it unattractive. So what are the things in group that are unattractive that we should try to avoid or, or not do. Yeah, some pitfalls. I think where you steer away from the truth, from the gospel, I mean, just again, t- carrying off of our, our my point that I just shared, where you talk about like a little bit more shallow things or you get into kind of sharing opinions versus focusing on the word of God and letting the truth of his word inform us and renew our minds. Also, I think uh, discussion issues. So if you have kind of a environment, you're fostering an environment that is judgmental or not open to hearing, you know, where somebody's at and kind of like gently leading them to truth. Um, Over talkers, dismissive people um, are a thing. An unhealthy leader trying to do everything out of your own strength, letting issues go unchecked in the group. So if there's maybe somebody that's, you know, problematic for, for one reason or another, not being the leader and, you know, taking the time to, to meet with that person one-on-one to try to address the issues, gossiping outside a group, right? Small groups are a place for confidentiality and confession yeah. and repentance. And so building, fostering that safe environment and and really setting the expectations from the upfront. I think so many times you fall into maybe issues down the line because expectations weren't set from the beginning, right? And everybody coming into a small group, no matter, you know, no matter what, they have some sort of expectation, right? And so at the very early onset, kind of setting expectations about this is what we're going to be about as a small group. This is what we're not going to be about as a small group is so, so important for leaders. Um, so avoiding some of those kind of pitfalls is what I would say. Yeah, it's it's really looking at your group and thinking about, man, what are the distractions inside my group and how can I? And hopefully you understand, too, if the distraction is a person, you don't eliminate the person. It's more like having the courage to actually right. go and, and talk to them and help. Because more often than not, those sure. that... that 
or maybe you have an over talker in your group where you have someone who just has a social norm that's not normal, right? They're probably aware of it and they, or they're actually probably unaware of it. And they also don't understand why they have trouble making friends and connecting. And you're someone who can really help them walk through that and give them that safe environment that we were talking about before. It really helps people want to stay and be a part of it. Cool. Um, well, that was the first two laws. So that was make it obvious, make it attractive. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from Jason. And after the break, we'll be back. Hey, Group Talk listener, Jason here, Group Talk producer. And I just wanted to let you know about one of the greatest resources that the Small Group Network has to offer. Huddles. Huddles are a way to connect small group point people together at least once per quarter to build relationships, find encouragement, and share ideas and resources. Basically, it's a small group for small group point people, and huddles can meet in your area or meet online. So do you want to find a small group network huddle near you? Visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash huddles and search for huddles in your area. We have them all over the world. If you don't see one near you, step out and start one. You'll be surprised how many small group point people in your area are looking for one. One more time, that's smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash huddles to find your huddle today. Now back to Reading Lens. Okay, welcome back. We're doing the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. I have with me Amber Walker from the Bible Chapel in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We have two more laws of habits that we need to hit. The next one I think might be one of my favorites, which is make it easy. Who doesn't love making it easy? So what do we mean when we want to make a habit easy? Yes, we mean we will naturally gravitate toward the option that requires the least amount of work. Surprise, surprise. You know, one of the things that really jumped out about me in this, and it's really interesting to think when it comes to small groups, but when he was talking about make it easy, he introduced us to this thing called the two minute rule, which is where you literally just show up to something for two minutes. So if you're trying to start a gym habit, like you can start as easy as just showing up at the gym for two minutes and then leaving because you just want to start the the first thing you want to get going is just that habit of going there and just even just being able to do any check mark at all. So even though you go there and you may, maybe you're a gym nut and you're like, I, I would look so down on someone who shows up for two minutes. Like, no, we want to encourage them because they got there and and that's how things start. We start small. We just keep stacking on on these small things. And so it really makes me think like, man, it, I, don't, I don't know how I would feel though if someone showed up to my group and it's the first time and like their habit was just coming to my house and then leaving, right? But uh, Two minutes. <laughs> yeah, for, for two minutes of leaving. But I do think there's other ways in which small groups where we could make it easy. I'm going to go first and then I'll, I'll hand it over to you. I think one of the ways that we can make it easy too is I think sometimes we, we forget about how intimidating and daunting it can be to show up to a small group. And so any of those things that we can do to really help ease them into coming. Um, one of the things that I know, especially in our context, that's really helpful. Amber, you even may remember this from actually being here, but it can be really intimidating to go into someone's apartment here. So we usually try to encourage, hey, if you have a new guest coming, go meet in a public place because it's likely that they eat, they've been to a Panera before, they've been to that coffee shop and they know the familiarity of that space. And it's not as intimidating as like trying to go into apartment complex and figure out where you're supposed to go and, and meet these strangers. And the other thing that's nice about those right. like Paneras and different things, like it kind of makes it a little bit easier to exit than it is at someone's house. But that was the one I, I kind of thought of. What do you think about when it comes to making small groups? What are the things that we might add that make it difficult? Yeah. So one thing I just was thinking about, and I know this is um, part of the strategy for, for Hoboken Grace around offering dinner yeah. at dinner groups, right? Thinking about <laughs> Think about your group members, right? They are not just small group members. They are mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, 
bosses, direct reports, you know, like the list goes on and on about all the roles that we play in our lives. So it's going to go a long way as a leader to think through, you know, what that person has on their plate and how do you make it easier for them to show up? Um, So I think, yeah, offering dinner or snack for the people that are coming straight from work, have busy schedules, right? Um, Just going a little bit to the extra mile to offer um, and practice that hospitality for them is going to make it easier for them to show up to group, right? That actually also might link into the make it obvious because it's a bit of a habit stacking that you're taking away, like they've got to eat. So you're, you're, you're really trying to help them link those two things together. This is also why I'm kind of against, I'm not a big fan of potlucks, which might sound crazy in a church world. Hear that? But I don't, I don't, it may just be a context thing here, but I find when we do potlucks or do anything like that, it actually really hurts our attendance because then someone needs to bring Mm -hmm. something in order to come. So you've raised the level of Mm -hmm. like coming from just, hey, just show up to, hey, show up and bring something with like, so so watch out for those kind of things. If you have those kind of habits in your group where it's like, there's something and to it, like this is what can happen with um, book studies or Bible studies where there's homework that comes with it. Like if there's like, watch Mm -hmm. out those things that you need to bring with you in order just to show up to group, like the lower that you can make that bar of like, hey, what does it take for you to just come to? So that's one of the things I've really been trying to teach my group leaders as well is like, I would really love for groups to be the place where it's the place where we're coming together and we're just encouraging and supporting one another. And it's where a check in to be like, hey, what are you what have you been learning this past week? How have you been experiencing God being able to say like, hey, you know, this Mm -hmm. past week, I was reading James two, I came across this verse been chewing on all week and i really think i need to take this step and we're able to encourage them that way mm-hmm. like i almost think that it's great when that stuff's happening outside a group and then you're able to sort of come into group and, and uh, yeah yeah and i think that's really you touch on a really good point like it's important to also know your yeah. group right yes. discern kind of where your group is at spiritually discern where they're at in terms of like their time and then kind of acting or responding accordingly mm-hmm. right and i think about in terms of you know, flipping the script and talking more to um, small group point people here and, and ministry leaders, we really need to think about the people again, get back to the people putting ourselves in their shoes, making it easier for them to show up for things. And I think about and just want to speak to like small group point people here and ministry leaders. Um, but as you're appreciating, right, your leaders or you're training your leaders, think about times and ways that are convenient for them to get them whatever you're trying to do for them. You might think like, oh, yay. I'm going to appreciate my leaders. I'm going to plan this big dinner on a Saturday night, right? But that creates problems sometimes for leaders who have kids, can't get babysitters, Mm -hmm. right? It's one more thing that you're asking them to do. Think about ways to celebrate them or train them in environments, times that's going to be convenient for them. We just had um, a December appreciation event, right? And we did it between services because why? We knew leaders were already going to be there. They were going to be at the early service or the late service. So we made it between services it was a pop-up event. Come in, get a gift. We want to celebrate yeah. you. If you want to hang out and talk with other leaders and spend time, great. If you're busy, because guess what? It's December and we're all crazed around the holidays, right? Then pick up your pie and you know just know that we love you and we appreciate yeah. you. And they were so, so grateful for that. I got so many comments. Thank you for thinking of us. It is a crazy time, but this was awesome just to pop in feel, you know, celebrated, get to talk with some other leaders. This was Yeah, awesome. I love that. That's a really great way of of making it easy for leaders. I think when it comes to like this is one man, this is, if you're a group a point person, think about this one a lot. Like I would I would budget this into your your quarter if not month to just 
constantly go and look like, are we making it easy for someone to become a leader or to jump into a group? And so like, go to your website and see how many clicks it takes. You know, the less clicks that you can make it, the better. I know there's some of these websites where you're just like clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking just to get to where you need to. I, if you want to go back, there's a previous episode, Alan White called Don't Be a Hero that I did where we really talk about this on, on trying to make it as easy as possible. I think the last thing that I'd leave it with is um, think about what it is that it takes to become a leader and what are the ways you can make that easy as well. So I think one of the things that's really helped us get new leaders here at Hoboken Grace has been we have this simple thing, which is like choose the night, execute the plan and take the training, right? And so like we have our first 10 weeks laid out for them. And so if you want to see what it looks like, it's at 10weekgroup.com and you can see the 10 weeks that we have. And what's what's great about it is like we wanted to make it as easy as possible for someone to start leading a group. Now, now don't hear me say that we've tried to lower the standard for what a leader is. That's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to make it easy. It's more like we're trying to make it easy for them to say yes to the role. Because sometimes it can just be really intimidating of all the things that they have to do and that, that goes with. Cool, this was awesome. One other thing that I want to hit on with the make it easy section is he has a really great point in there about the difference between motion and action. And I think this is something that every small group leader and, and point person needs to know. And it's, you know, paying attention that like, are your group members and groups, are they actually taking action or are they just going through motion? So in other words, like, are they, are they just staying in place? Are they just going through uh, these different things? Are, are the actions actually making a difference? It talked about the difference between emotion and action. Motion is planning, strategizing, and learning. But action is the type of behavior that will deliver an outcome. So I thought that was a really good one uh, distinction for us. So Amber, let's hit this last one. Make it satisfying. Um, what do we mean when we want to make a habit satisfying? Yeah. So to get a habit to stick, you need to feel immediately satisfied. Immediately. In that little dopamine hit. <laughs> Yes. And the first three uh, laws are all about increasing the odds that a behavior will be performed. But this time, this one's all about increasing the odds that the behavior will be repeated next time. So this is something I think our first first impressions or guest services teams deal with a lot. And um, because their whole goal is to get you there a second time. But for us, we should be thinking about this too. How do we get someone to group a second time? What are the habits that we can include in our groups that help guests return and become Yeah. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I have a couple. First is just really build excitement that they're there. Show that they matter, that you see them right before group. They were so excited you're joining tonight. You know, if you have any questions in advance, feel free to reach out. When they get there, be excited about them, connect them to other people. I've heard of some small groups that like kind of incorporate like a buddy, that person that is that natural connector, maybe that person that's on the guest (laughs) services or connections team within your small group to really like make that person feel welcomed and loved and cared for. Um, And in all of that, just like over communicating, I think you can't communicate enough. Again, um, reaching out to them when they first sign up for your group immediately, like showing how excited you are when, you know, after they show up, just texting them and thanking them again for coming, saying you're excited to see them again next week. I think that can go a long way. I think this is also going to depend a little bit on the person, right? And just using your discernment as a leader about that person's personality and how can you make it comfortable for them to become assimilated to your group, right? Um, so if they're outgoing, you might immediately join, you know, add them to all of your text threads and your Gchat and whatever, <laughs> all the things. If they're a little bit more introverted, you might like take your time and in, in kind of incorporating them or, you know, to not overwhelm them. So just a couple of initial ideas to get the conversation rolling. Yeah, I- 
I really jump on the one that you talked about, which was the, you said, identify a buddy or natural connector. One of the things I do is we, I'll text my entire group and let them know, Hey, we have a new, uh, James is showing up to our group tonight. So I want everyone to, you know, be welcoming and welcome James in there because when they come to group, they expect the leader to treat them well, but rarely do they mm. expect the rest of the group that way. So when other people take interest in them besides just the leader, Go such a long way in helping them be satisfied with the group. And then one of the other things that I'm trying to focus on as a leader when I'm inside those circles, I do the same thing when I have new um, group leaders at training events, is really trying to catch them up with terminology or things that they might be unaware of. And, you know, the other thing too is that like you get someone new, it can get kind of, it can kind of hurt the experience for the rest of the group members constantly be doing icebreakers and different things of like, who am I? So when I have a new person come to group and we've done the like, this is who I am, this is what I do, where I'm from, or wherever the things that you come up with, I'll just go around the room and just do it for them. So I'll be like, this is John. John lives in Jersey City. He works for this company and does it, you know, and then just go around the room. It, it really helps speed it up. And, and then the other thing too is just help communicate like, you know, you'll learn these names in no time kind of thing. Um, anything that you can do to acknowledge the intimidation or the things that make a make it something uncomfortable i think really helps them more comfort for sure, that's cool. good. all right so that was atomic habits that was the, the, the laws from it make it obvious make it attractive make it easy and make it satisfying amber anything that we missed so honestly nick i feel like we haven't even scratched um kind of the richness of this book but that's how we um, end every episode of this, this is- show is that we get to these books <laughs> and we're like it, it, it is it, first off we only covered the four laws there's a whole like bonus section after it too oh my gosh but go ahead amber sorry for stopping you yeah. No, no. Yeah. They just got to read it. They got to buy it. They got to read it. Fully endorsed. <laughs> the one thing that we were talking about before we got recording that I think is worth talking about is he also gives this awesome advice. I think it's in Make It Obvious, but it's think as if you are already. So in other words, like yeah, he has this yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. point where like if you want to become someone that's healthy or you want to start a gym habit or lose weight, the thing you need to start to do is start asking yourself, what would a healthy person do? So you like you walk in a building and you see steps, you see the elevator, and you go, what would a healthy person? Oh, well, a healthy person is going to take the steps. Or you get to your refrigerator and you're hungry and you go, what would a healthy person do? Well, a healthy person is going to eat a pepper or an apple. Healthy, you know, so like, I really love that aspect. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's one of the things as, again, as small groups point people that we can be thinking through, like, you know, if our goal is to create disciples, all right, what is it that a disciple would do? Mm-hmm. Right. And try to think about like, oh, well, they would spend 15 minutes doing this or they would meet the needs of x you know kind of thing so i think there it's a nice little mm-hmm. guide as you are are going through this um and creating new habits that let's head into the lightning round so this is where we wrap up amber what is another book that you've read recently that's had an impact on your leadership yeah so it's actually another book on habits nice surprise surprise can you catch a theme <laughs> <laughs> um so i really enjoyed and i feel like i got a lot out of really um from this yeah. book, um, Out of the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, which I know is an oldie, yeah. but a goodie. It's funny. I feel like I just discovered this book um, and I've like shared it with a bunch of people and they're like, oh yeah, I think I read that in like high school or something. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've never heard about it until just now. So yeah. um, I think it's another really good one. Um, kind of as soon as somebody finishes reading Atomic Habit, <laughs> it's a great book to pick up, right? Yeah. Um, so you have the tools that you need to develop habits from Atomic Habit. And then you have some suggestions of some habits that'll make you a little bit more effective that you can build up over time. Cool. Yeah. Believe it or not, book I haven't read. So it's one that I have always had on my list. And uh, I have a friend up in New Jersey who leads a church at 
uh, called Emergence. His name's Alex Hauser, and this is his favorite book. So he's always been encouraging me to read it, and I've never got it. Um, and then, Amber, what's one book you're looking forward to? <laughs> yeah, so one of the pastors um, of our church that I'd pretty much read anything he told me to <laughs> is Lead the 12 Gospel Principles for Leadership in the Church by Paul David mm-hmm. Tretto. I'm really looking forward to diving into that one next. That's going to be a good one. And I have to share just to kind of piggyback and kind of a good wrap up figure kind of reinforcing, as you said, how he encourages you to reinforce the identity and the person that you want to be right and say, you know, what would, you know, a healthy person do in this situation? I am claiming and speaking over myself that I'm going to be a book finisher (laughs) this year. Uh, awesome. because I have a little bit of like ADD when it comes to books. Yeah. Like I start one, read about six chapters and somebody tells me about a great new book. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I got to get that. And I start reading that. And so I have all these books that I've started that I really haven't finished. So this year I'm claiming myself as a book finisher and I'm going to finish those reads that I've been, uh, been putting off. Fantastic. Well, Amber, this was fantastic. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with others. I know it benefited me. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Nick. I hope I hope this was helpful. Well, I'm Nick Lindsay. I thank you for listening with us. Thanks to Amber for sharing your experiences. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. Come back next week for Inside Saddleback. Also, I'll be at the lobby this next month, February 2022. So if you're there, please come say hello. And Thanks for joining us. Remember, leaders are readers. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.